Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Let's start today with the Department of Transport and also the Department of Environment. Minister Eamon Ryan is tomorrow set to bring a memo to government outlining plans to to reduce emissions from cars on the road. It could involve congestion charges in major cities and also hiking the price of parking. So will it work? Let's debate. Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor of Transport at Trinity College Dublin and Frank MacDonald, my old sparring partner, former Irish Times Environment Editor. Gentlemen, you're very welcome to The Last Word. Brian Caulfield, I want to start with you. Eamon Ryan is bringing forward this memo to Cabinet. We do know we need to reduce emissions from the transport sector by the end of this decade. Getting cars off the road is one potential way of doing it, but consumers could be the people being hit with it. It would look like it, it, it would be that way. Um, I suppose this is kind of the, the culling of the fleet um, uh, for, for um, similar to what, what might be planned in agriculture. Um, the, the document that was released by the National Transport Authority kind of gives an outline of a possible pathway to do this. But what it kind of really hammers home is how difficult it is going to be to do this. That document throws the kitchen sink at transport and there's an awful lot of very you know ambitious targets in it. Um, and we would be doing very well to get them. Um, if there's a congestion charge brought in without better public transport in our cities, then yes, it would be the the, the motorists that ten will be euro penalized. per day would be the charge for driving into city centres. Um, I think that was a number that was put into the modelling. As far as I know, there's more work being done on it, but ten euro would be in line with other European cities uh, for uh, for a congestion charge and putting up the cost of parking by four hundred percent. Yep, and that's another one of the measures that's in there, um, and. We know from modelling and from research that if there's a car space available, then people are much more likely to, to drive. And that's one of the reasons behind that. Uh, but there are also other things in the, in the document, too, about, you know, doubling the amount of cycling, you know, reducing the number of escort journeys to school um, and making them more sustainable, um, increased working from home. So there's some good stuff in there as well. But, you know, when we take the cars out of our cities, you know, it will give the city back to pedestrians and people that live in the city will make it cleaner. It will improve air quality. So there's an awful lot of benefits to it as well. But, and it's a big but, we need to have the public transport provision in place first. Yeah, and that is the problem, Frank MacDonald. It's great being able to say, look, in the next couple of years, and the government, the suggestion is there'll be a consultation on these proposals and they'll come into effect in a year or so's time. But if you do want to take cars off the road, what are people going to use? Well, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. I mean, the, the, the truth is that, that Ireland is one of the most motorised societies in Europe. Uh, and that's as a result of planning policies over the years, or one could argue even the lack of planning policies, because we've essentially allowed unmitigated sprawl to develop um, such that, you know, people are living within a 100 kilometre radius of Dublin and commuting into the Dublin area on a daily basis. Uh, now, OK, that has been reduced somewhat in recent times by the uh, work working from home phenomenon and hopefully that will continue but there's no doubt about it that once you walk out your door in this country and walk along any street or road you know there's traffic moving all the time um, I mean enormous numbers of people are travelling to and from 
different places, visiting relatives, doing shopping, uh, doing the school run, bringing kids to sports events and, and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, just fulfilling their daily needs by by turning uh, their key in the ignition and starting and, and going and Many going people have car. no other choice, Frank, because we haven't put this, the subsequent this, well, investment exactly into... The problem, that, that the sprawl that we've allowed to happen, and it's not just a Dublin phenomenon, it's also true in Cork and Galway and Limerick and Waterford, the five, the five main cities, I mean the two, the four smaller cities in Dublin, all of them have have huge commuter belts, and people are living in one-off houses in the countryside. They're living in remote estates that can't easily be served by public transport. So, you know, this this um, propose these proposals are being made against that backdrop, and it's a very tall order to imagine uh, that this can actually be achieved, especially within the next seven years. Uh, I mean, you know, that is an extraordinary tall order. Yeah, Frank, and just on that, the plans for expanding public transport in Ireland, where is our metro, where are the expanded Lewis lines and where are the extra dart lines? Well, I mean, you know, we set out at the same time as Bordeaux did uh, in planning a light rail system in Dublin. And uh, in Bordeaux, they've got, I think it's 44 kilometres of a network up and running, uh, five different lines and so on. And what have we got? Two Lewis two Lewis lines uh, at the moment and uh, with a metro, a metro line still in planning. Um, and, you know, and OK, there's the Bus Connect scheme as well. You know, but don't forget, that's not going to serve the sprawl. The sprawl of the city is such that it extends out really as far as Gorey and County Wexford and Rochford Bridge and County Westmeath and, you know, Mullingar and, and all sorts of other places that aren't easily accessible or easily served by public transport. And, and that's, uh, therein lies the problem. You know, people have had to uh, drive their cars because they've no, they've no alternative and it's not easy to provide those alternatives. Brian Caulfield, the plan is for emissions from the transport sector to have by the end of this decade. If you put all of these measures in place, would that work? Well, the modelling seems to suggest it would. Um, but if you start to dig down into some of the, the, the plans that are in there, one of them is that it says that by 2029, um, 100% of all new car sales will be electric vehicles. I think that's probably very unlikely to happen. 25% of all workers will be, white-collar workers will be working from home again. That may not happen either. So, you know, there's an awful lot of assumptions in it, but these are the this is what the modeling is telling us and this is this is a pathway to get there perhaps uh, you know and i i agree with frank you know it's our planning that has us in the situation we're in and it has taken cities across europe and across the world decades to get out of the kind of congestion and, and high emissions that we have and we want to do it rapidly in seven years and that's one of the things that i think is is a very very tall order if not impossible we want to do it rapidly and we want to put the cost onto motorists out there and i would imagine there's a lot of people who are probably driving home in the next few minutes or the next hour would say, look, I'd love not to be sitting in the car. I'd love not to be driving home for two hours, but I simply have no other choice. And we are one of the few European cities without an underground rail network. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, hold on. I mean, let's not lose the run of ourselves entirely because, you know, Dublin is, a, is, is quite a low density city by European standards. And, you know, it's characterized by this phenomenon of sprawl that I've, that I've spoken about already. Uh, I mean, Copenhagen started out and, uh, and in the 19, late 1940s, I think, to develop all of its new areas along, along lines that would be served by public, areas that would be served by public transport. You know, but I, I thought one of the most astonishing proposals in, in the NTA model uh, was that uh, for a substantial fall in, 
car ownership across the country. By but nobody is going to give it up if there's nothing, if there's no alternative. But I mean, like, you know, like how, you know, including, it says, a 14% reduction in car ownership in Dublin City and 10% reduction in, in other areas and even 1% in rural areas. I mean, how is that going to be affected? I mean, if people, people are quite free to go out to a car showroom and buy a car. How are they going to be stopped from doing that? Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's just, and, and as for the parking thing, I mean, that's abs- Brian is absolutely right about that. The problem is that, that a lot of the commuters who are coming into Dublin uh, have a guaranteed parking space um, in, the, in, in or around the city centre. And that particularly applies to uh, public servants. I mean, you know, the, the civil service have free car parking, free car parking. So, you know, a 400% increase in, in parking charges in Dublin, um, uh, it sounds like an awful lot. And I'm, I've no doubt, but it's, it's the correct thing to do, but I've no doubt that there's going to be a huge rollback against this uh, from, you know, people, ordinary people, and plus uh, people in the trans, in the. Uh, I, want to, I, want to bring, I want to bring Brian Caulfield in here, Brian, before we go. As I said, the issue here is people might want to switch, but there's no alternative, but we're not going to get any alternative to cars anytime soon, so the cost is just going to have to be borne by motorists again. It, it would seem that way if, if government do bring in a, a, these charges before those um, uh, types of public transport are brought in. But the cities that do this and have done it well, like, say, Stockholm, they blitz public transport and put lots of it in before they brought in a congestion charge. But you're right, it would be inequitable. People on higher incomes would be able to drive in and those on lower incomes wouldn't be able to drive in. Um, and that's, uh, that's that goes completely against just transition. Um, so public transport does need to increase. And even if it's brought in in a year's time, there won't be the capacity in the public transport network to to take up the displaced people. So this is not something I think that's going to be in by the end of next year or even the year after. Frank MacDonald, we're talking about Dublin for most of this, but there are people now commuting to all the other cities around the country and they too are thinking, well, hang on a minute here. We've moved out of Dublin. We've not been able to buy in Dublin our home. We've had to move elsewhere and we're still going to be hit with these charges. Well, I think that that's, that's uh, one of the fundamental problems that, that people people did decide in the, from the 90, mid-1990s onwards, I suppose, that um, you know, they could find cheaper houses on the outskirts of Port Leash than they could find on the outskirts of Dublin. And that was certainly true. I mean, you could get a four-bedroom house down in a new estate in Port Leash you know, for an affordable price in the 1990s. And, but they didn't calculate the, the long-term consequences of that decision, which essentially means that they, that they more or less have to travel to work by car in, in the greater Dublin area. And that, that's that's a built-in problem that I don't think is easily solvable. Frank MacDonald, former Irish Times Environment Editor, and Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor Professor of Transport at Trinity College Dublin. Thank you very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-M.